Would you like to turn to Acts chapter 11? And uh, we'll start there. Today we're doing the second eye that, uh, that is part of our church's theme. And the second eye is integration, integrated, or integration. And, uh, you know, we, we build up barriers very easily, don't we? With one another for various reasons. Uh, you know, in secular society, you can see people building up barriers. And what the gospel does is smash the barriers down. That's what the gospel does. And so when you meet someone, you as a Christian are the most open person in the world to what they have to say and who they are. Did you know that? You should be. Because Jesus has commissioned you, as you were hearing last week, I hope, Jesus has commissioned you to preach the gospel to all the world, uh, to be influential. And if you are influential, then you know you will be a person who understands what integration is all about. While we're in Nigeria, you know, it's interesting being uh, a white person in the midst of Abuja, which is predominantly, massively black. There are some Chinese and one to others, uh, and the occasional odd Englishman like me. Um, but, you know, it's great to, to, to see the way Jesus can break barriers and can demolish perceptions and can deal with our preconceived ideas. And, you know, driving around that area was also an experience in terms of church life. You know, there's church after church after church. It's like any street. We said to at one street, we said, oh, this is Church Alley. <laughs> there's just so many churches here. And the church we went to on the Sunday as uh, a Lutheran church, there were about 300 people there and um, praising God in ways that you wouldn't believe. I mean, you, we've got to have this stuff here, guys, you know. The stomping, yes. Yes. Like this? Can you do that? Do you want to do that in worship? Praise? Yes! God is good. And um, so we saw these, these churches. Next to this Lutheran church was one of the mega churches. And, uh, you know, it's just humongous. And, of course, there's sound breakthrough from one church to the other, which also makes it interesting. So, yeah, so many people who are Christians in that country. On the way back, uh, I had two Nigerian girls next to me, and they prayed before takeoff, and they prayed before they landed. Um, you know, it was just part of life for them to pray together, which is very interesting. hope you got to Acts chapter 11 now. Have you? Um, we're just going to look quickly at verses, verse 19 onwards for a bit. Now, those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. You know, God wanted to explode Christianity onto the world. And here were these stubborn Christian Jews, stubbornly clinging to their concepts of 
acceptability. Their concepts of what was right in their culture. Their concept of the chosen people of God. We just speak to the chosen people of God. And God allows a persecution to arise which scatters the Christians out of Jerusalem all around the place. And even then, their barriers were so high that they spoke the word to no one except Jews. Isn't that amazing? But, verse 20, there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas is an underrated guy. You know, in the early church history, he does stand up, not just as son of encouragement, which is what his name means, as an encourager, but also as someone who, when he saw what God was doing, embraced it. He embraced it. Now, for him, he's being sent by the Jerusalem leadership to spy them out, you know. Is this pucker, what's going on up there, you know. We'll send Barnabas to sort them out, you know, in case it's not pucker. And uh, we've heard these terrible stories of Gentiles being saved. Hellenists, Greek-speaking, Greek-speaking Gentiles is Hellenists. They were, they were all over the place and ripe for the gospel. And so they're getting saved and, and Jerusalem sends Barnabas. And Barnabas, when he saw, what did he see? He saw the grace of God. That's what he saw. He saw the grace of God in that the gospel was reaching to the Gentiles. He saw the grace of God in that. He said, I'm not, how can I interfere with this? How can I stop this happening? This is the grace of God to the Gentiles. I, I exhort you to continue steadfast in the faith. I love this place. This is great. His barriers had come down. And he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I would love that to be said of me and you. That you're a good woman, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. That people look at you and say, oh, you're a good woman, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Wouldn't you like to be called that? Written somewhere about you? People speak about you as someone who does not have barriers to what God is doing. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, brought him to Antioch. And for a year they met with the church and taught a great many people. It was at Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Now turn over to chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 1. Now there was, were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon who was called Niger, 
Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. This church is an integrated church. When you look at Antioch, you're looking at an integrated church. Why? Well, because even in the leadership team, there was such a variety of background, such a variety of, uh, of colour and race, even in the leadership. So there must have been within the church from which that leadership was drawn. There must have been a multitude of people from different places and, and so on. There were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, well, we know about Barnabas. Simeon, who is called Niger, who's a black man. Lucius of Cyrene, probably a Roman citizen from Cyrene. Menaean, oh, a member of the court of Herod. Herod was hated at this time. He was absolutely the pits. He was hated because of his debauchery, because of the way he ruled the place. And, of course, the Herods were sort of puppet government. They would go to Rome and get Rome's seal of approval on their kingship and their land. And there was lots of arguments and debates about that that went on some, and people got killed uh, trying to sort it out. It was a vicious, nasty time. But anyway, the point is that this young Christian was an advisor to that King Herod. Isn't that amazing? And yet, he's accepted in this church and into leadership. But that's the Herod who imprisoned Peter. That's the Herod who killed James. That's, that's the Herod. What was this guy Menaean saying at the time? How was he expressing himself in the court at the time? What, what ability did he have to stop this, this sort of thing going on? We don't know. But what we do know is that within the context of the church and the church's life, this man was respected and honoured. So there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, Simeon, sorry, Lucius of Cyrene. Again, the Romans were hated. And yet to be a Roman citizen conferred on you certain benefits and advantages. And uh, so he, uh, no doubt, had those benefits and advantages. And so this, this church has grown in significance and grown in influence and is about to be the apostolic base for Paul in all that he does with the Gentiles. It's about to be an extraordinarily significant place in God's plan, and it's one which demonstrates beyond doubt the ability of the gospel to draw all races, colours, and nations together in one church. Together in one church. You can say it again, together in one church. It should pain us, it should hurt us, that in Britain today, there is a racial divide within Christianity. It should pain us. It should pain us that there are all these churches that are majority black, it should pain us. Is this what God really wanted? What can we do about it? 
Well, we can demonstrate in our church that we can be integrated together. It's not that you turn a blind eye to things. Integration isn't about turning a blind eye to things. Integration is about effort and work at understanding other people. So the first point I want to make is this. Integration is an attitude. It's an attitude. It's an attitude of openness. It's an attitude of acceptance. It's an attitude of affirmation across cultural divides. There's the racial divide, yes, but there are other divides. You can probably think of some. I'll I'll let you know some, shall I? Wealth. Age. Education. Social class. So what am I talking about here? I'm talking about an attitude that doesn't judge people. You know, we don't hang around the wealthy, you know, because some wealth might rub off on us. We treat the wealthy person the same as we treat the poor person. That's what we should be like. And it's a great, great calling to demonstrate this to the world. It is a magnificent calling. If this church is called to anything uh, you know, else, obviously it will be called to other things, and next week we'll be talking about international, but right now, think about integration. What an amazing story this church could build. What an amazing story. We already have an incredible amount of integration. We already have all these flags. We already have differences here in this room now of how you think culturally, of how you uh, listen to music, what sort of music you listen to. There was some years ago a movement for youth churches that we would segregate between adults and youth. And, uh, you know, you have youth churches who have a certain style, a certain style of music and a certain style of preaching, and that that's how uh, they behave. And then you have adult churches that are, are different. And, of course, the debate is what happens when you reach 25, or whatever the line is, you know. Do you, do you then suddenly drop this church and go to another church? I mean... How crazy is that? Because Jesus didn't come for youth churches. Jesus didn't say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to people under 25. Did he? It's just just crazy, isn't it? See, Jesus had all these different disciples with him. He had... Simon the Zealot. <laughs> the one you didn't want to meet down dark alleys. Simon the knife man. Ah, he'll get you. He was a zealot for the Jewish faith and the Jewish religion. And then he becomes Jesus' disciple. And he has to walk and talk and share life with the tax collector. And we all know what tax collectors are like, don't we? 
tax collectors were particularly hated at that time because, of course, they were puppets of a Herodian court and puppets of the Romans. And so they were particularly not acceptable. And in Jesus' disciples, these two guys had to get along. They had to meet and mix and live life together because they were following Jesus. And we're all following Jesus. You know, go to a Nigerian uh, church and you know, all sorts of things happen and you think, oh, I don't think I, whoa, wait a minute. And then you think, wow, must have that back home. It's just a mixture of emotions, isn't it? It's a mixture of stuff. But we, we just have to keep ourselves open to what God wants to do with us here. So have this attitude. What I'm not saying is that you can't have friends. You know, you've got to be integrating all the time, you know, working at integration all the time. You know, so over coffee, you'll go up to someone and say, hello, I'm David and I'm integrating with you. You don't have to be like that. We're not saying that you will not have special friends. Of course you will have special friends, and those special friends will probably be from your social class and background, probably, not necessarily, but quite probably. That's fine, as long as when we're together as church, you don't clique up. You know what cliques are, don't you? Little groups of people, yeah, who hold others away from them. So they're just a little clique, you know, enjoying life. So... As long as on Sundays we don't clique up, but we maintain an openness to everyone, that we make effort to speak to one another, make an effort to speak to people you don't normally speak to, make an effort to cross the barriers, all sorts of barriers. You know, you get nervous about speaking to someone. No, I won't use that as illustration. Um, so you get, you get, Difficulties, don't you? Crossing of starting a conversation. Well, seek to know. Seek to know how they think. In Philippians, it says that we are to count others more significant than ourselves. Do you do that? Paul writes, count others more significant than yourself. Do you really do that? We all want significance, don't we? You want significance in life. You want significance in the life of this church. You want significance before some, someone must think me significant. Jackie and I are plowing through house. Got a box set of house. And uh, one of the episodes, there's this man who's a dropout, been living on the street, and he's in there and he's dying. And he, he, just, he says, I just want to know that I've been significant to somebody. It's a great cry. And so, of course, this doctor, she sits with him and says, you're significant to me. And she sits with him as he dies. You're significant, she says. We all want to be significant. Count other people as more significant than you. That will help you to cross the barriers. 
that God loves this person and has brought this person into the kingdom. And I am also in the kingdom. Therefore, the two of us must be able to share some things and I must be able to understand the background they're coming from. I'm also not saying that we ignore giftings of God, you know, that we have a leadership team who represent all the different countries. You know, we could have an eldership team representing all the different countries. We have, um, we have an Australian <laughs> on the eldership team. So that mixes it up a bit. We have an Australian, and he, his contributions in elders' meetings are always interesting. <laughs> because he comes from an Australian culture. And so his perspective on things is different. There's a lot of Hong Kong in there as well. So his perspective on things are different. How useful is that? It's tremendously useful. But I'm not talking about, you know, quotas. No, no, no. We respect gifting. But it's a heart attitude. Will you be more open this year to others than you were last year? Will you be more ready to incorporate time in your schedule with people who you would not normally spend time with? It's a challenge, isn't it? Because this is at the heart of integration. When people come into this church and they see the variety of people that are here, that should thrill them. And it should make them think, wow, this church knows how to behave with one another. That's integration. The Bible teaches us that, you know, there was Peter and Cornelius' household, and Peter had to have a dream, didn't he? God gave him these dreams of these great sheets coming down with all this impure food, and God's saying, don't call impure what I've purified. And we can look at other people and call them impure in our eyes. Did you know that? You can think that. And Peter was having his mind blasted open to the fact that people are God's people. That he created it all. And that this is the gospel now to the world. And of course he goes into Cornelius' household and, and people are baptised in the Spirit and start speaking in tongues even before he's finished preaching. Always a useful thing to happen, that. If I'm going to stop preaching and not go on for a long time, you know, it's because suddenly people get blessed and the Spirit of God falls on them. That would be great, wouldn't it? So, Paul as well, Paul and Peter, in Galatia, Paul, Paul challenges Peter. He said, before, before those people from Jerusalem came, before those circumcision party came, before... They came and pressurised you, Peter. You were happy to eat with Gentiles. Now they've come, you won't eat with Gentiles. What sort of hypocrisy is that? And you think, hang on, this is the same Peter who had the sheets, you know, vision. This is the same Peter who just, you know, in Cornelius' household said, let's baptise them. They've obviously been blessed by God and they're saved. Let's baptise them now. Oh. Some student said to me, 
You're the most animated preacher I've ever seen. <laughs> so, Paul and Peter got into an aggro argument because of Peter's hypocrisy. That he could not break that barrier down. He was asked again to break that barrier down. But this time he failed. James says we don't count others better than ourselves and put them at the high place. No, we treat everyone the same. In Acts 6, there's this big row about uh, the distribution to the widows because, well, they said, we're not happy with this. So the church is having to cope with massive growth over a short space of time. And uh, the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. It's a background problem. Someone is not keeping their eye on their heart and their heart attitude. Someone has allowed themselves to be, have favourites. We don't want favourites. So the church in Antioch was an amazing place. It was the grace of God in action. The grace of God across all the barriers. Education. You know C.J. Mahaney? Uh, some of you may have listened to him and preached and so on. C.J. Mahaney has this thing about country music. He cannot stand country music. Okay? So you get some guy in a 10-gallon hat and cowboy boots and a guitar, and CJ cringes immediately. He's got a problem. He's got a problem with country music. Some people like country music. So why doesn't he talk to someone who likes country music and say, what is it you see in country music? What is, it, what is it about this style that gives you pleasure? See, it's a heart attitude. Over coffee, at the back after the meeting, you can ask someone, why do you like country music? Tell me. I want to know. Because I want to enjoy what you enjoy. In God. It's our hearts looking at one another and saying, well, I've got a different educational background to you. But we're one in Christ and I want to know how I can benefit from you. It's a big challenge today. Because the response we usually do is, is apathy. You know, we don't, we don't make the effort, we don't work at it, and we are the poorer for it. Let's work at it. It's not just race. 
But it's not just country music. There are all sorts of things that can make you subconsciously avoid, or even consciously avoid someone over coffee. I keep using over coffee because that is a, the coffee time here is an important time for integration. Did you know that? It's not just coffee break before we go home. It's a time when we should fellowship, but not in our cliques, but fellowship broadly. I challenge you to keep out of your cliques on a Sunday morning. Okay, I challenge you to stay clear of that on a Sunday morning. Go out with your mates and your friends during the week, fine. But I challenge you, this, even this Sunday, speak to someone you don't normally speak to and find out about them and treat them as more significant than yourself. So what about some of the issues for us? We are often oversensitive. We are often easily offended. And integration means making an effort not to be easily offended. Okay? Integration means making an effort to see and hear the other person without taking offence. Another issue is laziness. We're just basically lazy people, aren't we? Aren't you? You just you know, it's much easier to have coffee with your mates than to pick up a conversation with someone who is not your mate. It's easier. So we're just lazy about it. And we think, it's great, you know, we had a great time. Good. Yes, you have had a great time, and you have enjoyed being with your mates, but it could be greater. It could be much, much greater if we're integrated. Lazy, thirdly, lazy judgmentalism. Lazy judgmentalism. You know, you can, you can hurt people by just commenting on the way they speak. Yeah? You define people. If they speak what used to be known as the Queen's English, and, uh, you know, the current, the current media obsession is with estuary English or whatever, regional accents, then when someone comes amongst us and you start talking to them and they talk in a plummy way, you can have a barrier build up very quickly because you're lazily judgmental. This person's snooty, snooty, snooty. This person is, this person is snooty and snobby. No. This person is just who they are. That's, that's their background speaking to you. Don't blame them. That's how they were brought up. Receive them. Don't be lazy in your judgmentalism. 
we don't evaluate by education. See, the problem with having a lot of students here is, you know, you can get com competitive about education and how many degrees you've got. But it just doesn't matter how many degrees you've got. You can have as many degrees as a thermometer and still God will love you. Did you know that? And so we also should love those with many degrees. We also should be able to mix together with them when we haven't got many degrees. And when they, when they talk to us about what they're doing at work, you, your eyes glaze over and you think, uh, I don't understand. Don't worry about it. Just say, I don't understand that, but I'm sure you're enjoying it. We don't treat the wealthy any differently, as James 2 comments. You know, uh, I don't know what people give to this church. I don't know what your giving is. If, you, if you've got a standing order and you know, you're giving through standing order, I, I still don't know what you give. I don't fiddle through the collection box to try and find a name. You know, who gave this fiver? You know, you don't... I, I'm not like that because... That's safe. If I don't know, it's safe. But i just tell you this little story. There was some while ago when we were thinking of moving to the offices, church offices we're now in, when a member of the church spoke to me and he, and he said, is this a struggle? And I said, yes, it is. You know, we're, you know, we can't afford to do this, really. He said... Don't worry. I'll cover it. <laughs> All the temptation to treat him differently from then on. But I must not. Just another person who happens to have a high income and who, who, is, who is blessed and blessing with that money. So... I don't want to be judgmental about these things. I want to treat everyone the same. It's a serious message, isn't it, today? Not many jokes. So what do I want KCC to look like, finally? Antioch Church. I suppose if you just sum it up, Antioch Church. That's what I would love us to be like Antioch, where we're sending people to the ends of the earth, where we're sending people with joy and grace, where we are integrated across the nations and across the people and across colour and race and across social class and across every barrier the world will build up. Are you getting excited about this? I know I'm not very dynamic this morning. It's because I'm flipping exhausted. Um, and, uh, and we're off to Turkey to this conference in a few minutes. So I just wanted to, to put this across to you guys, right, right as clearly as I can, that we will maintain the unity of the Spirit when we treat each other properly. When we recognize the humanity, when we recognize that God has done something in this person, 
when we recognise that their life has been changed like my life has been changed, when we recognise that God is doing a great work right across the spectrum or whatever spectrum you want. When I was preparing this, I thought of, you know, those old newsreels? And, and even now, newsreels of the 1960s are hilarious. Have you, have you ever seen? They're hilarious because always, you know, the bloke from the BBC talks like this. With clipped tones. And, you know, interviewing the Beatles, you know, uh, these boys with their new tunes. And, uh, you know, it's just, the 1960s was, was a, well, it was a, a phenomenally changing time for this country. We're going to keep the unity of the spirit. Whether you speak plummy or common. Okay? If you're common, that's okay. If you're plummy, that's okay. When we were in Nigeria, sometimes it was difficult to tune in to the Nigerian English. Very difficult. You think, I can't understand you, and you're talking English. You know? But you've got to get behind that to the person. Will you do it? You know, we, we want an integrated leadership. We already have integration in our leadership. You know, I just don't want to overdo this, but Gary's comment usually is something along the lines of, oh, get a life, when we're discussing things for too long. We want integrated worship. I've come back with some CDs from Nigeria. I'm gonna gonna play them. See if we can't have some of these songs in our repertoire yeah. too. What to be a to to you know toss a tidbit out? No, because we want to be integrated, and we don't want to be just middle of the road music, do we? The other week in here, I was thinking. Wouldn't it be great now if we could just sing that classical setting of Our Father? You know the one? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That one. The blank faces are extraordinary. <laughs> but you see, for some people that will lift them into a place in worship that other songs don't. Let's make room. I want an integrated home group. And we are integrated in our home group. We have fun together. All our home groups are good, well-integrated groups. You know, there's no... You know, the, the temptation to have a student home group... Uh, is resisted here. We will not have student home groups. Okay, students? No student home groups. We're going to be integrated, whether you like it or not. <laughs> integrated home groups are a key factor in the life of this church because we want to be together to demonstrate wholeness and health to the people around. When, when we reach out to people and we invite them and they come to this church, I want them to be able to see that Jesus Christ delivers us from all secular barriers, 
from all the barriers that we build up in our lives, from all that stuff, that Jesus Christ can rid you of that stuff and make you open to someone from any nation on earth. So that when someone from Taiwan walks in here, we are happy to embrace them. And we don't think, hmm. Of course, it make another flag, wouldn't it? So we, we just, I'm, I'm just appealing to you. I, I suppose I'm trying to speak from the heart here. I'm just appealing to you because I come from a generation where our parents, our parents created black churches. And I'll tell you how our parents created black churches. Our parents created them because they were racist when black people arrived in this country. That's what happened. And yes, the music's different. And the style's different. Now, who knows what could have happened had the Windrush generation been integrated into church life as it was then. Who knows what might have happened? What, do you think God wanted them to segregate out? Do you think God wanted us whites to say, you're not very welcome here? Christians saying, you're not welcome. It's outrageous, isn't it? Absolutely outrageous. I'm just trying to express what's here. Um, okay, so Paul said, Cretans are liars. <laughs> but not Christian Cretans. Nigerians send you emails saying that they've inherited a huge amount of money and they want to donate it to you. Please send your bank account. Nigerians do that. That should never affect the way you think about our dear Nigerians in this church. Never let it feed itself in to your thinking. Oh, boy, it's tricky stuff, isn't it? It's tricky stuff. You know when Hiromi prays in Japanese? We love it, don't we? You go, wow. Let's pray. We've been singing, Lord, that you're worthy. We've been singing, Lord, that you are magnificent. And Lord, we acknowledge today that you have a magnificent plan. And Lord, we want to be part of that. And we know that as the world stacks up the bricks and builds the walls, we know that, Lord, you've come to smash them down for there's neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free. Oh, God, help us. Lord, there's neither male nor female, all one in Christ Jesus. Oh, God, help us. Lord, as we read about the Corinthian church and the way it divided itself up in social class for communion, Lord, we, we just, oh, even from the earliest days of church life, this was there. Lord, help us to break out and be beyond church life of the New Testament. May we go further even than Antioch. Lord, may we be the ones who can stand proud in this sense and say Jesus is everything 
to everyone here. Lord, bless us. Bless us, Lord, with more people from different races across the world. Bless us with more people from different ethnic backgrounds. Bless us with more people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.